So I have started a podcast where I have this advent calendar, a wine advent calendar. And so every day in December, I open up a new bottle of wine and share it with a friend. And then I tell them a story. And typically they're true crime stories. And so I'm going to tell you about a murder that happened in Waterloo. Oh, it's true? It's a true story. It is going. (laughs) (laughs) But before we start that, um, so what's your favorite Christmas song? Oh, Holy Night. Okay, can you sing it for me? I don't sing. (laughs) (laughs) But it goes, like, sing it with me. I'll sing it with you. Oh, Oh, Holy Night. (laughs) The stars are bright. That's great. Um, So here I am with my Aunt Desiree. Hello. We're in her home in Marshalltown, Iowa. It's pretty central Iowa. And I'm going to share a story with her about John Wayne Gacy. Do you know anything about John Wayne Gacy? No. Okay. So our wine today is a Shiraz. And judging by um, your previous wine choices, I'm not sure if you're going to like this, because mm. you were drinking Moscato all night. Yeah. But um, here, I'll just pour you a little bit, and you yeah, can try it's it. red. Yeah, it's a red wine. But it's it's a pretty mellow red wine. It's not like a full-bodied red wine. Okay. So do you want to try it? Sure. Okay. Cheers. <laughs> what do you think? It's a little bitter. It's a little bitter, yeah. Um, do you like it? I probably wouldn't have any more, but I could probably finish what's in my cup. Sounds good. So, do you get any, like, black fruit flavors, like blackberry or cherry or plum? Mm, not really. Okay. More raspberry, okay. strawberry. You're getting that or not so much? No, that's what I like better. But are you getting that in this wine? Oh, am I tasting it? Are you tasting some, like, blackberry? Oh. Maybe a little. Yeah. It's it's definitely very fruity, but it is like a bitter fruity, mm-hmm. almost like a more of a stone fruit. I like it, but yeah, it's definitely a little bit more dry than a lot of the red wines that I typically drink. But so I have a story for you. Okay. And you're not familiar with John Wayne Gacy? No. You're not at all. No. So you were born in Waterloo, Iowa. Yes. In 1977. Eight. 1978. And so just, oh my gosh, just like 10 years before you were born, mm. there was a serial killer that lived in Waterloo, Iowa. And then he actually did most of his murders in the 70s. And mm. he's a really well-known... So, okay, I'll start over. So back like five years ago when I was working at Salvation Army, I used to get lunch... Um, because it was just our, I was working in a family's activity center, so I worked with kids and families, but Mm -hmm. it was connected to like the homeless shelter and where they had a meal program and everything. And so I would go over there for lunch and I would typically sit with the other staff members, but there was one day that, that I was just kind of there by myself. I don't remember why I wasn't sitting with my staff members, but I ended up sitting at this group of, um, guys that were living in the homeless shelter And they started telling stories, and this one guy, his name was Jonathan, and he was sitting at the table, and he was telling this story about how he knew John Wayne Gacy when he lived in Waterloo, Iowa. Mm. 
And at the time, I didn't know who that was. And so then I went back home and I looked it up. And um, But Jonathan told me this whole story about how he worked at the KFC that John Wayne Gacy managed. So the Waterloo KFC, um, the one like on Amesboro, mm-hmm. that one was, and at least it used to be owned by John Wayne Gacy's father-in-law. So his father-in-law owned this KFC and offered him this like manager position at the KFC because John was out of work and he needed a job and he was married to his daughter. So, um, so John Wayne Gacy started working as a manager at KFC and was making like $115,000 a year at this KFC, like just making a ton of money. And, and while he was working there, he, he and his wife had two kids and he was working there for many years in the sixties. And then he, and the reason why I kind of started learning about this case was because Jonathan, that homeless man that I was talking to, worked under John Wayne Gacy Mm. at this KFC. And so he worked at this KFC, and at the time, all of the staff members thought that John Wayne Gacy was so cool because he would invite all of these, like, 15-year-old boys over to his house to, like smoke marijuana and have alcohol you know he would he seemed like he was the cool mm-hmm. adult where he would give them this stuff and so all of these kids would go over to his house and this guy that I met Jonathan would go over to his house all the time like every weekend and um like smoke pot with his manager there and then there was one day where he came home from from they called it the club at John Wayne Gacy's house he came home from the club and his mom smelled pot on him and flipped out and was like, you're never going back there again. You're quitting your job. I don't want you anywhere near this John Wayne Gacy guy. Like, why is this man giving you alcohol and pot? Mm-hmm. Like, this just is super inappropriate. Even though at the time, John Wayne Gacy was like the vice president of the Waterloo JCs, and, and he was like really kind of a prominent member of the community. And so then Jonathan, this guy, he quit the job because his mom didn't want him anywhere near that. And then just like later that year, it came out that John Wayne Gacy was like sexually abusing one of the guys that he was that one of his staff members, like so one of the, one of the kids that would go to the club all the time. And he wasn't ever, I don't think he faced any like prison time or anything because he was such a prominent member of the mm-hmm. community. Like he was friends with police officers. So he never like, got any consequences from that but his wife actually left him at that point and so then that's when John Wayne Gacy moved to Chicago and he was living just outside of Chicago when he I think he killed around 33 kids oh wow yeah at least 33 so his the span of him of his crimes were from 1972 to 1978 and in Chicago yeah so he he kind of started out I think like sexually abusing some of these boys and then he moved to Chicago and everything just kind of progressed in in his in his crimes and and started killing some of these boys and once he was in Chicago I think a lot of the boys that he um that he was killing were all like runaways too so a lot of them weren't necessarily like reported to the police they weren't necessarily missing boys and so that's why he got mm. away with it for so long because nobody really 
nobody was looking for these kids. Mm-hmm. And so then he was able to just kind of go get along with it for so long or get away with it for so long. So his first murder was um, in 19, early 1972. Gacy picked up 16-year-old Timothy Jack McCoy from Chicago's Greyhound bus terminal. He took him on a sightseeing tour of Chicago and then drove him to his house, promising that he could just spend the night there and then be back at the station in time to catch his bus. And then, um, and we know all of these because later Gacy did confess to all of this, so we know a lot of the details. But um, he ended up killing him and sexually like sexually abusing him and then killing him and then all of these boys that he killed he buried just in his basement so he had like a a basement that didn't have cement on it it was just like dirt floor and so then he just Mm. there were so many kids that were wow buried at the time so he was talking with somebody at a pharmacy at at the end of all of these this killing spree and he was talking about how he liked to hire like 15 or 16 year old boys for this like remodeling deer deal that he had and he wanted to i mean he he promised like a starting wage of i don't know what it would like $5 at the time which was a lot and that was like double what what a lot of the kids were making at this pharmacy and so a lot of people wanted to go work for him and then so this one guy that was working at the pharmacy wanted to go work for him because he would make like double than he would at the Mm -hmm. pharmacy and then he told his mom like some contractor wants me to wants to talk to me about a job and he left the store promising to return shortly but then when he didn't return his family filed a missing person report and that's kind of when things started in motion and so since the pharmacy owner knew it was Gacy Mm. that talked to this boy. That's what kind of ultimately connected it. And so then he was obviously denying all of this, but the police were interrogating him and trying to get to the bottom of it. And then I believe that's kind of when they started searching his house and then that's when they found the bodies because it wasn't until way later they found the bodies and then they were able to kind of Mm. connect all of these missing dots. Wow. Yeah, it's just fascinating because... The first time, so obviously the first time I ever heard about this was when Jonathan was telling the story and how he kind of laughs it off and said, and told me how like moms are always right. They always know when there's like a bad person and they always know, um, they have this like intuition and how his mom's intuition saved him from all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And yeah, but ultimately Gacy was found guilty and he was sentenced to life or he was sentenced to death, and then he was put to death by execution in 1994. Wow. Yeah, but it's just fascinating because it's crazy how so much of it started in Waterloo, and then he moved to Chicago, and that's when he... Yeah, and this guy that you knew knew him. I know. Can you imagine, like... And he and he just always talked about how as a fifteen year old this guy just seemed so cool. Like he mm-hmm. was the he was the guy that everyone wanted to hang out with and that he would get them beer and stuff like that. And so mm. yeah. And all of his friends were hanging out with him. It was just like what they all did. They would go there after yeah. school and stuff. But yeah. Mm. So that's the story of Very Jonathan Tracy. Never knew that story. Yeah, it's funny too because so last year for Christmas I bought Colin tickets to go see a comedian in in Minneapolis. It was just outside of Minneapolis. It was in the suburbs. And we went to it. 
And I had bought tickets ahead of time. And so for like it, I had these reserved seats, which I didn't realize were in the front row. And the worst place to be during a comedian or a comedy show is in the front row because you just get called on mm-hmm. all the time. And so at one point, this comedian was talking about how, how he was from Iowa. And he was like, any Iowans in the house? And Colin and I were both like, woo! Although in hindsight, we should not have said anything. <laughs> because then the guy pointed, pointed to Colin. He was like, oh, what's where are you from? And Colin goes, oh, I'm from Cedar Rapids. And then... He's like, ooh, that's like a really stinky town or something like that. Like, just kind of laughed about that. He's like, well, where are you from? And I said, oh, I'm from Waterloo. And he goes, where John Wayne Gacy is from. (laughs) And so it was just funny because he said that. And he was like, do you know anyone that, like, while he was on the stage, he goes, do you know anyone that knew John Wayne Gacy? And I was like, well, yeah. And so then all of the people around me started chanting and they were like, tell the story. Or like, I don't remember what they were saying. Like, story, story, story. And I was sitting by this really, this old woman who was like elbowing me and going, go tell the story. Go, go up there. And, I, and so then, I mean, it was a really small club, mm-hmm. but I was like, I do not want to go up there. Like, why would I go up there during a comedy act and tell a story mm-hmm. about how I know, how I have this like very loose connection to mm-hmm. John Wayne Gacy. But, um... So this woman was like elbowing me and then, and then I went up there and I told the story and I just, I was so nervous and I was also like, I shouldn't be doing this. This is just bringing like all of the comedy, like this is not funny. <laughs> like why, why would I go up and tell a murder story at a mm-hmm. comedy show? But long story short, at the end of it, I then like everybody was just silent and I handed the mic back to the comedian and I was like, good luck recovering from that one or something mm-hmm. like that. But People thought that was funny, mm, but that's good. Yeah. So you had a little, got a little laugh out. Yeah, of but then as soon as the the show is over, Colin, they're like, "Let's get out of here." I don't <laughs> want to talk to anybody. I don't want anybody coming up to me afterwards. I don't want this yeah. comedian to come up and talk to me. But oh my gosh, it was so ridiculous. But mm, anyway, so that's the story of John Wayne Gacy. Wow, thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Never knew. Yeah, that's crazy. You never knew that. I was born in 1978, so that all happened before I was even born. Yeah, that's true. But I feel like if, yeah, that's true. I mean, you would have been really, really young when he was getting caught and everything was happening. But I still just feel like people in the community would have known him and been like, did you hear that John Mm. was just caught for murdering 33 plus teenage boys in Chicago? And it kind of reminds me of like the story of H.H. Holmes too, who was like a, like a, one of America's first serial serial killers in Chicago, and he got away with it for so Mm -hmm. long because of the same reason. It's like all of these transients and all of these, like, Mm -hmm. young kids and runaways are just running away to Chicago, and, like, I don't know, like, they have these big hopes, big aspirations for Chicago, and then it ends up, I don't know, going poorly, but... Yeah, so that's my story. Well, thank you. Yeah, well, Merry Christmas. You too. Thank you.